Welcome to Money and Mindset with Bright and Brian, where we explore the link between your well-being and your personal finances. Every month, we talk through ways you can feel more confident about your relationship with money. I'm Bright Dixon, a senior purpose advisor at Truist and a student and teacher of positive psychology. I'm joined by my partner in podcasting, Brian Ford, the head of financial wellness at Truist and an expert on all things money. How are you doing today, Brian? You know, Bright, I am feeling grateful. I love this time of year. The temperatures are dropping, leaves are changing color. We're well into football season. You know I love college football. And of course, I'm grateful for the holidays and time I get to spend with friends and family. But I'll just say right now, Bright, I am feeling grateful for this podcast. I'm feeling grateful for the opportunity really just to share the knowledge that we've been able to share over these past three years. So thank you for that, Bright. Yeah, right back at you, Brian. Thank you. I'm feeling pretty grateful myself. I know both of us are grateful for all of our listeners on this show too. So here's a big thanks to you if you're out there hearing this and especially if you've been with us for a while. This is so fun. I'm so grateful for this podcast and really all I've learned from this podcast over the past few years. I've learned so much and I've, you know, it's not that I didn't expect to, it's that I didn't go in like asking for it, right? But I got it nonetheless. And I'm so grateful for that. And I'm feeling a little celebratory and not just because of the holidays. So Brian, the podcast we're recording right now is number 33 for us. And we've been doing this for almost three years. And you know, I think that's a milestone worth commemorating. That's right. And I know just the way to celebrate. As we close out the end of this year, we're going to spend this episode and the next looking back. Brian and I have picked out some of our favorite money and mindset episodes. It's going to be kind of like a a greatest hits album. We're going to play clips from those episodes and talk about why they resonate so much. We'll highlight a few, you know, potentially life-changing money tips, play back some really fun guest appearances, and reopen some great conversations. I'm really looking forward to this trip down memory lane too, especially because reflecting on the past like this can help you do two really important things. One, it's a great way to celebrate everything you've learned and how far you've come. And two, it can be really key to helping you figure out where you want to go next. For our listeners who are maybe starting to think about making some money and mindset resolutions for the new year, these episodes could provide some real inspiration. Absolutely. Let's get this podcast party started. Okay, Brian, this first clip comes from way, way back on episode number two, which was all about controlling what you can with your finances. We did record this before we upgraded our microphones, and I did want to point this out because, you know, listen to us now, crystal clear. Yep, no doubt. We have certainly made vast improvements with our production value and our sound quality. But what I really like about this episode, along with our very first episode, which was called Controlling What You Can in Life, is how these two episodes highlight one of the big themes of this podcast. I would say like the big theme Mm -hmm. comes up over and over. It's almost like our thesis, right? The thesis of this podcast. And it goes something like this. Lots of things are outside of your control. And you have to accept that and let those things go to find anything like real peace of mind. And there are many things that you can control. And when you focus on taking action on those controllable things, you're going to start stressing less and feeling way better 
and accomplishing your goals and building the kind of life you want. So Brian, this clip has you talking about just that and how that fundamental idea applies to personal finances. So let's press play. So Brian, why is it important to establish in our finances what we can and can't control? Like what are factors that we can't control and what are the things we can? Yeah, I mean, as humans, I mean, we only have so much capacity. We can only manage so many things. I mean, life is busy. And when we spend energy on or worry about things that we can't control, one, we can feel overwhelmed. And two, it can sap our energy to focus you know, on the things that we can control. But I mean, the good news is the opposite is also true. If we just let go of the things we can't control, then we've got more energy to focus on the things that we can. And once we stake, you know, if we take a step in the right direction, then that builds momentum. I remember one of my finance teachers, he said to me, he's like, it just doesn't make sense to worry about the things you can't control because you can't control it. And then he was like, but it also doesn't make sense to worry about the things you can control because you can control them. And I mean, on a podcast, I'm sure that sounds cool. And that was something that my teacher said that always stuck with me, but it, it's a little more difficult than that in real life. It actually takes practice, but we can work on it. We can be mindful of it and we can say, I'm just going to let go of that stuff. And I'm going to focus on the things that I do have control over. So I think the second part of your question is actually interesting. I mean, what are those things that we can't control and what are the, some things that we can control? I mean, let's get specific here for a minute. I mean, some of the things that we can't control relative to our money, certainly financial emergencies like a car breaking down or the washing machine going kaput, the economy, the stock market. This is an interesting one, Bright. I don't know how you'll respond to this, but uh, how a loved one chooses to spend their money. Mm. I mean, we talked about that a little bit mm -hmm. in our last podcast. I, I love what you said last time about control versus influence. But that's at the crux of, of a lot of financial challenges, at least relationship-wise. You just can't control that. Yeah, and I think it's really easy to make judgments of other people based on what they seem to be spending their money on and how you feel about that. Uh-huh. We value different things. Yeah. Uh, typically, we spend our money on things that we care most about in life. And look, you know, I, I, I view the world differently than you do. And that is true for lots of folks. So you're right. We need to be careful about that. And we certainly need to be careful if you're actually in a relationship with somebody. I tell you, if, if you didn't hear our first podcast, Bright dropped some serious knowledge on the difference between control and influence relative to our loved ones. And I think it's certainly applicable here. But, but that's not something we can control. So we have to be mindful of that. On the flip side, you know, we've got complete control over the money that we make, that I make. I mean, money is an object. It's subject to our management. We can control how we manage our money, how we save our money, how we spend our money. And I think those are the things that we really need to focus in on, Bright, is, is what are those things that we can control with our own money? Mm -hmm. And what are those things? I mean, when you, when you think about that, like, what are, the, what are the things that we really can control? And how do we shift from feeling that we can't control them to being able to say, like, yeah, I have control over this. I feel like that's a big mindset shift. It is. It's exactly what I was going to say. It's a mindset shift. Um, and it takes a little bit of practice. We have to start to realize when we're worrying about something, just simply asking ourselves the question relative to our money, do I have control over this? And if we don't, let it go. But if we do, 
we'll recognize that as well, because that's sometimes the source of our worry is, is something that we can control, but we're just letting go. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a matter of a mind shift and being mindful of it and practicing it. Mindset shift, being mindful of it and practicing it. I mean, that what more is there to say? You got to practice it. Yeah, that's fun going down memory lane. Yeah, right. This is going to be a couple of good episodes. And, and in that clip, we touched on another central theme of the podcast when we talked about how people tend to spend money on the things they care about, aligning the way that we save and spend our money with our core values is a huge part of what money and mindset is all about. And for that to work, we've got to know what we value, which is where our second clip comes in. Nice segue, Brian. Yeah. So earlier this year, we did an episode called How Your Purpose Can Help Guide You and Your Money Decisions. And Brian, if I remember right, you were the superstar of this episode. It's literally part of your job to help people find their purpose, which is just another way of saying you, you help people find their why, the reason for doing the things they do, which is super cool, by the way. You've got a cool job. And you and I shared our respective personal purpose statements in that episode. And I remember you dropping some pretty heavy duty knowledge that can help our listeners figure out their own purpose statements. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really key, right? Because only you can come up with your purpose. Nobody else can do that for you. For sure. But this clip, I really wanted to highlight this kind of great back and forth about taking that next step once you've come up with a purpose statement. In other words, what do you do with your purpose once you have it in mind? Once you know what you really care about and, and what you value, and what does money have to do with it? Let's have a listen. This is not about perfection. This is about purpose. So like, you want to make sure that you're doing a little inventory about how's it going for you. Maybe not daily, but like, you know, on a regular basis. And that's growth mindset, right? So that's growth mindsetting this bad boy and like finding those opportunities to learn and change. Cause there's not going to be that day where I like achieve my purpose and like the angels sing and the sun shines down on me. And it's like, you know, now I'm a good person and I've lived into my purpose. Like that's not <laughs> the game here, right? It's a process. It's a growth process and it's a deepening process, right? It takes action your purpose doesn't mean anything unless you act on it. Right on. I'm totally in line with that. I think purpose statements and these kinds of visionary ideas about our life, they're important. However, they're just that, meaning they're just a vision or a dream until we fund them. I think one of the ultimate acts of commitment and action on the part of a person or a company or an organization is what they fund. So if, if you want to know what an individual or a company stands for, don't always listen to what they say. Look for what they fund and what they actually put their capital behind. And Bright, I love this. This is really getting at the heart of why I love personal finance so much. I mean, we can make a vision or a dream or a purpose, a reality by actually putting money behind it. And in order to do that, we need to live by good financial principles. Yep, totally. And it, it kind of makes me think that it's like the money where your mouth is thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's like living by your purpose is almost like the alternative to those insecurities, right? It's the alternative 
to keeping up with the Joneses or like these other sort of mental traps we fall into when we are making money decisions that don't line up with our purpose and what we value. So when you're keeping your purpose top of mind in your actions, in your funding, all of that, things kind of start to fall into place, right? So you kind of have to design your life to meet that purpose and your purpose tells you how to design your life, right? So your education, your relationships, your money, all of that, you got to put your money where your mouth is and your purpose guides all of it. So purpose is a way that we not only stay true to who we are, but we make real who we want to be. Yes, so true. That is a great statement. Make real who we want to be. Oh, it's brilliant. You also said something else that really resonates with me. What you said about purpose is an alternative to our insecurities. It's brilliant because it's so true that our insecurities can get us in trouble with how we spend our money. And our purpose statement is our way to reground ourselves and remind ourselves not only who we are, but who we want to become and how we want to spend our money. So if you think about some of the reasons why we spend money on stuff that we don't really need or want, it so often goes back to those yucky insecurities. But our purpose statement can keep us on track to financially prioritize the things we really do care about. Yeah. I'll tell you, Brian, I really enjoyed that conversation. It was good for me to hear that again. Me too, Brian. I had this funny feeling of wanting to interrupt our past selves, but we can't really <laughs> do that. We'll just have to keep going. And one of the things that I like most about our podcast is drawing out and really putting some color to this connection between your money and your mindset, which I really think can help us take action. And I think that sounds kind of obvious, but there's a reason we call it money and mindset, right? When we first started recording three years ago, I was really open about the fact that, you know, personal finances are not a subject that really got me super jazzed at that time. Yeah. Well, I mean, if we look back and we think three years later, 33 episodes later, how do you feel now about personal finance, right? Well, I must say that I still cannot get as fired up about money as you can and in the same way as you can, Brian, right? You're on a, you're on a different <laughs> level than I am. Not required. <laughs> Not required. But I will say that I recognize more than ever and, you know, increasingly that money and how we think about money and how we feel about and around money is a huge part of our lives and becomes a huge part of who we are as people. And it affects our relationships and state of mind. And, you know, like that last clip illustrated, it can help us live with purpose and intention, right? It can be a tool towards purpose. So if you want to live up to your purpose and live out your why, well, it's going to help you have some financial confidence and having financial confidence is going to help you do that, right? So it's part of this sort of upward spiral. And fortunately, Brian, nobody knows financial confidence like you do. And this next clip is classic Brian Ford money nerd, just rattling off some super actionable, super practical money tips that anyone can follow to feel better about their finances. 
I think that every episode we do is chock full of this stuff. But if you stand out as being especially helpful to people trying to get a better grasp on some of the fundamentals. You know, as you mentioned that, I'm thinking of one we did called Your Credit Score, What It Can and Can't Do For You. And I'm thinking of that one because I work with a lot of folks, you know, who have questions about boosting their credit score. And in that episode, we break it down. We kind of will tell you everything you ever wanted to know about how your credit score is calculated and how to increase it. That was such a good one. But this next clip is from another one. It's from episode 10. Okay. Money moves to make in your 20s and 30s, right? Remember that one? Mm -hmm. So y'all, if you're in your 20s or 30s, you're definitely going to want to go back and check that episode out for some more tips that can help set you up for long-term success. The clip I'm about to play, though, from that episode is going to be useful no matter what your age. It's just good practice for taking more control of your money, and it covers some subjects that I know are near and dear to your heart, Brian. It's all about saving and automating more when it comes to your money. So let's go to the clip. You know, I work with folks. I have a straightforward question for them. And so I'll ask you this question, Bright. Okay, great. Are you a good saver? That's it. What do you think? What do you what do you got for me? I am better now. Nice. I will say that. Right on. As a person who has a hard time with yes or no questions, I'm better now. Okay. But I wasn't in my early 20s at all. Yeah. And, and look, you're most of the time I hear something like, well, not really. And when I get that response, I let them know that the good news is they are totally like a normal human being. <laughs> and the other good news I share with them is this. I've seen hundreds of people go from not being a good saver at all to total rock star savers overnight by simply making the decision to save first and automatic. So what I love about this is it has very little to do with willpower. You know, I wish I wish I could do this for my physical health, by the way. I wish I could just like automate this stuff. My wife would be super pumped. <laughs> but even if saving does not come natural, if we save first and automatic, we will succeed. And I know we've talked about this in the past, Bright, but what are, what are your thoughts just kind of around this idea of first and automatic versus kind of this willpower or versus this idea that sometimes people have in their mind, like get up in the morning, look, look at themselves in the mirror and they're like, today, you know, I'm going to be a great saver and, and like psyching themselves into it. No, nah, it, yeah. we know that's not how it works with great savers. But what are your thoughts just on kind of that idea? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, I think your comparison to sort of physical health is right on the money, so to speak. But I think, yeah, we're not naturally wired to save, right? We're naturally wired to kind of think about today and even like tomorrow can seem far off when we're, when I'm making that decision of like, Ooh, do I buy this thing or do I put that money in a savings account? And it takes so much more effort to put it in the savings account, right? Versus just, you know, hitting that little click button. Yep. So tell me, tell me, Brian, what you mean by save first and save automatic. What, break it down for me. Well, yeah. I mean, look, there's, there's a few ways to do this if we want to get specific. One is you can do it at the employer level. So you can, you know, go in and talk with your HR folks and you can say, look, you know, if, if you get paid automatically and electronically, you know, into a checking account, you can say, look, I've got this one account here that you're already paying me in, but what if I set up a savings account? Can I have a certain amount automatically swept into the savings account when you pay me? And most employers will say, sure. And they'll just, you get it done. You provide them with that new savings account information. You tell them how much you need to do it. So you can do it at the employer level. If it doesn't work or your employer doesn't have that, you actually can just do it at the bank level. You can walk into your bank and say, look, I get paid on this day and this day. Can I have a certain amount of money just 
The next day shifted into my savings account. They'll say, wonderful. Is that it? And they'll say, you know, you'll say, yeah. And voila, you've got kind of this first and automatic idea. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the mechanics of it. But I also want to talk about, you know, where should we be saving first and automatic? And there's three main buckets that I want to chat about. First is what we call at Truist a financial confidence account. Second, major purchases. And then third is retirement. And, you know, we call it a financial confidence account rather than just emergency account, because when you get one of these accounts, it's fully funded, it's in the right place, a tremendous amount of confidence will come into your life, regardless of if an emergency happens to you or not, you'll derive immediate, like psychological benefit from this account by having it, which is pretty cool. So that's what we call a financial confidence account. If you don't have one of these, you want to start with maybe like a thousand bucks, just set that goal, then... Again, so good to hear, right? Like the fundamentals, you can't hear them enough. Yeah, look, this is the this is the stuff that I love. Like you mentioned before, the money nerd is is super stoked on just kind of the actionable things that we can all take to get in a better place financially. So, I enjoyed that little piece. And and you know, the money decisions we make are often tied to really big life moments. And and looking back, I'm pretty pleased on the podcast, we've been able to share insights for people across a pretty significant age range. But earlier this year, we were lucky to welcome Cam Phillips to the show for an episode called Life-Changing Money Lessons for Teens and Young Adults. And in that episode, you know, Cam talked to us about, really, teens and young adults. That's what Cam does. He works with young people, teaching them about financial responsibility and emotional wellness. And he had a lot of great insights on overcoming your insecurities. It's probably my favorite part of that particular episode. But the next clip I want to feature was about an even younger group of folks. It's from an episode we did back in April 2022 called How to Help Your Kids Be Good with Money. I seem to recall we had some very special guests on that episode, too. Mm-hmm. We thought that if we were going to talk about kids and money, we should also talk with kids about money. So that's exactly what we did. So let's play the clip and hear from a few of our younger listeners. Do you like money? Yes, who would? Because it sort of gives us position in life. I like money because it helps you get houses. And if you get a ton of money, like $200, you can buy a mansion. Yes, I do like money. I like money because there's a good feeling on when you earn it and when you spend it because you work to earn that money which feels good just because it's like a reward. But then you also feel good when you spend that money because you get to use that reward. It feels like happiness sometimes or excited on what you're gonna get. <laughs> okay, this by the way, Bright is probably my favorite little section mm -hmm. of when we interviewed these little ones. I thought all three answers are worthy of us chatting about for a minute. Where do you wanna start? Help, helps you get a position in life, true. Yes, I would agree. Very wise and astute. I'm always, I shouldn't be surprised. I've got four little ones and heck, half the time they're smarter than I am, but I am, I'm surprised by the, the insight I think that we're getting here. So I would agree. Helps you get position in life. Yeah. Why not call it what, what it is? Yeah. And helps you buy a house. I mean, you might need, you probably need a little more than $200, but <laughs> not again, not wrong. Yeah. You, 200 bucks. You can pay the electric bill yeah. for that month. For that mansion. Yeah. Seriously. You couldn't hear us while the recording was going, but I was laughing out loud on that one. 
But yes, I would agree. It helps you buy a house. I love that. Of all the things that, you know, they could mention, they mentioned a house. Houses are so much more than, you know, just just an investment. It's a place mm-hmm. where we live. It's a place where our, our children feel secure and safe. And they know that money can help provide those things. So I, I don't know. I don't want to go too deep here, but I really feel like that speaks more to a deeper psychological need in children just to feel safe, secure. Yeah. They know that that's what their home provides and that money can help in securing that value. And then, you know, the the last listener, when he said, yeah, it's a good feeling when you earn it and you spend it and it's a reward for your work. And we're going to talk about this later, but, you know, helping kids build that connection between effort and reward when it comes to money is really interesting and kind of complicated, but also it's just part of the deal, right? Yeah. I also love the the innocence of that answer. I love that answer. First, I think that the parents are doing a good job with these kids. Like, way to go, parents. This is awesome. <laughs> but also, I love that this little one associates good feelings with money. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I'm not sure that that would be the same if we were just to go out to some of our adult listeners. I like the idea that, you know, do you like money? And it's like, yeah, I like money. It feels good when you earn it. It feels good when you spend it. It's like a reward for your work. And I'm like, yeah, right on. It doesn't need to be more complicated than that. I I love Mm -hmm. that they've already got good feelings towards money. So Mm -hmm. ah, I love that one. Let's keep rolling. These kids are super smart. Oh, bright. That episode was so much fun. I loved it. Me too. I think that's definitely in my top five of all time. And those were legitimately some super smart kids. Of course, we've had some wonderful adult guests, some super smart adult guests on the show as well. About a year ago, we welcomed the great Caroline Adams Miller for a two-part conversation about pursuing your money goals and your personal goals. Yeah, I remember when she was chatting, I was taking notes as we were recording those episodes. I mean, Caroline had so many great insights. Caroline is awesome. She's a best-selling author and a leading figure in the world of positive psychology, She's studied a lot of science-based research around how to set and actually achieve your goals and has written extensively about the idea of grit, which is this quality that can give you the willpower and fortitude to really live up to who you want to be. She also has a really inspiring personal story, which she was kind enough to share with us on an episode called The Science Behind Goals, Grit, and Creating Your Best Life. But the clip I want to play now is from the second part of our conversation called how grit can help you achieve your goals, where Caroline really dug into the ways that her thoughts around grit can help us get what we want on the financial side of things. So let's go ahead and play it. Okay. Well, as we think about grit and how it relates to our finances, Caroline, what does grit look like when it comes to our money? So I think the biggest thing that holds people back from saving the kind of money that they want to save or achieving the kinds of financial goals they want to achieve is a lack of willpower. And again, this is something that we've seen just decline precipitously in the most recent generations, kind of the quick fix, the YouTube moment, all the rest of that. Everyone's a winner. So I think we all have to develop this goal and we have to have short-term goals that feed into longer-term goals like saving for children's college education that give us that feeling of mastery. So make sure it's your goal, not someone else's goal, not your broker's goal, not your parent's goal, not your culture's goal, your goal. What does that goal mean to you? What's the so what? And then break it down 
down into steps where you can have a feeling of mastery. And if you have to develop different ways to overcome a desire to spend, I know people who put credit cards in the freezer, they cut them up, they lower their credit limit. I mean, do whatever you have to do to stop that quick fix approach to money and to getting where you need to go. I think those little steps even of like, you know, the equivalent of putting your credit card in your freezer now because it's all hooked up to my computer and everything, like I need to unhook it, right? So that I've got that burden of entering my number every time that I want to go to spend. And and that kind of leads me to a question, Caroline, for you. So totally asking for a friend, of course, but if grit is partially about passion and someone isn't totally passionate about finances in general, how do we stay gritty around our finances for the long term? What do we do if we're just like not that passionate about the world of finance? I think there's a way to make finance sexy. <laughs> yes. What do you mean make it sexy? What do you mean make it? It is. Oh. Right. It is sexy. It's yes. incredibly sexy. Passion is part of grit. <laughs> and I think you have to bring some passion to it. What are you saving money for? Do you want to give money away? Do you want to endow something in your grandmother's name? I think for a lot of women, there is this story they've been told growing up about how money is a man's job. I remember the Barbie doll that used to say, I hate math. Do you all remember that? I hate math. Mm -hmm. They took that Barbie off the market. Thank goodness. Yeah. I think in order to develop passion, we have to personalize it again. What is it that money represents to us that gives us freedom, that allows us to do something maybe for somebody else? You can make money sexy. Find someone who has made it sexy and ask them, how did they do it? How did they develop passion for me? I love hearing that again. It's been a while since I've heard that episode with Caroline. And I just think there's this two ideas. So one of mastery and one of making it sexy for yourself, right? Like making it fun, making it interesting for yourself. I think those are two hugely powerful ideas when it comes to money and mindset. Yeah, I agree. Oh my goodness. I have really enjoyed diving back into some of these earlier episodes today. This has been great. So as we conclude, Bright, at least this episode, what stood out to you going through these clips? I mean, the big thing that stood out, Brian, was how many awesome conversations we've been able to have with each other and also with so many amazing guests and that I've, I've learned things that I really didn't expect to learn. That's my takeaway for this one. Yeah. What about you? Well, I'll just go back to what I was saying at the beginning of this episode. I really, I'm feeling grateful. It's genuine. I'm grateful for this podcast, for our conversations, Bright. I'm grateful for our listeners. Thank you. We wouldn't have a podcast without you. And I'm grateful for good people and good knowledge that helps me and my family be more happy. That's going to do it for part one of our look back at the first three years of Money and Mindset with Bright and Brian. Yes, if you enjoyed this episode or any of our first 33 episodes, we hope you'll consider subscribing on the podcast app of your choice or giving us a review or rating. We'd love to know if you like the podcast. You can always write to us. That email address is askbrightandbrian at truest.com. Please write to us. Tell us what your favorite episodes or your favorite particular conversations were. Or ask us questions. Give us suggestions and topics that we can cover next year. We love hearing from you. 
We'll be back next month with part two of this Money and Mindset highlight reel and share a bunch more clips that showcase some of our favorite tips and moments from the podcast so far. We'll also talk about setting some financial resolutions and goals for the new year. Be sure to tune in. This episode of Money and Mindset with Bright and Brian is brought to you by Truist. Truist. 